The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. That's right, Bear Down Bears fans. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation, Bill Zimmerman with you. And this is part two of the Mega Bears Banter Training Camp Preview with Robert Schmitz of the Bears Blog. That's right, Robert Schmitz, not of Windy City Gridiron. Robert has moved on here and is now the editor-in-chief of the Bears Blog, something we're all very excited for Robert and hoping he has great success over there. As you know, an integral part of Windy City Gridiron in the last few years, and especially this podcast channel, of course, all the great work he's done with videos and film and game tape. You know, we're going to miss him over here. Robert was a great asset, but very excited for him and very happy he was willing to jump on with me and do this lengthy, lengthy podcast breaking down the Chicago Bears. This was a two and a half hour conversation. You heard part one on the offense. This is part two on the defense. This isn't two and a half hour podcast. I meant the full conversation with Robert was two and a half hours, hour and 15 on the offense, hour and 15 on the defense. And that conversation about the defense is coming up next. This is Bill Zimmerman, Bears Banter. We'll be right back with Robert Schmitz of the Bears Blog. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back into the podcast. As promised, we are on part two of the massive training camp preview with the Bears blog chief yes. editor, Robert Schmitz, who joins me now. Robert, Bill Zimmerman, how you doing? 
I'm doing well. We, you know, we didn't talk about the DVB thing a little while ago. I, I'm I'm really excited. I feel like this is a massive win for everybody at WCG, at DVB. Like, I see Bears, like, fans as one collective, what, union? Like, we're all fans together. So, to me, leaving, or I don't know, leaving, quote-unquote, getting this ch- opportunity to basically write daily, like, that's really what this is. It's a responsibility to step up, grow myself, and write daily just means more stuff for us to talk through, uh, especially come NFL season. So I can't wait. Let's talk about some defense. Yeah. Let me ask you one thing about the Bears. Well, because, yeah, we didn't talk about it quite as much as I wanted to early on, because when you started talking about it, you started talking about all these things you're doing and started talking about the players and people who run it, and we just dove right into it. But we needed the time. You've been very heavily with Windy City Grind with podcasts and your yes. YouTube channel, doing a lot of multimedia in, in that world, but not quite as much in, in the writing aspect and mm-hmm. doing kind of straight articles. So how has that been for you so far and, and kind of adapting to kind of really, in essence, growing your personal brand to not to being able to do be the film guy, be the podcast guy and be able to, to, you know, be the wordsmith as well. That's been a huge part of it. I mean, most of the reason that I took the opportunity was because Lester and the team at WCG does such an amazing job at filling space that if I didn't do anything for a month, WCG didn't need it. Whereas taking over DBB means that tomorrow, for instance, Tuesday, uh, when we're recording this, there needs to be a post. I need to put something up. And now granted, Jeff has made a habit of posting what? 20 letter haikus uh, (laughs) on certain days. So not every post has to be a winner, but at the same time, having to come up with something every day was to me a real opportunity to get better at the part where I sit down, I'm going to write something. It's going to be 350 words. And what's it going to be about? And going through that and, I don't know, becoming a little bit more of a professional. I know we're largely hobbyists. I mean, the pay isn't incredible in any of what we do, but it's not about that. Getting the chance to, like you're saying, grow my brand and move forward a little bit and still package in a bunch of multimedia. Like the for anybody that hasn't looked at it, you just search my name on YouTube. You'll see another YouTube channel. And I've already got like five videos up there, uh, including a breakdown on Jalen Johnson that I would not be surprised if we rehash a little bit. Yeah, I think Bill. we're going to be talking some Jalen here in this, in this episode. <laughs> but yeah, and the one thing I found, because, you know, my my role with Windy City Grown Iron was expanded, you know, about six, seven months ago, and, and I've enjoyed it. And, and it's not my first time doing this much writing. I did fan side that I was part of Bear yeah. Goggles on for, for quite a few years before, you know, and I was actually even part, I didn't, wasn't writing, but I was actually part of the Bears blog for about six, six, seven months before uh, Lester poached me away. I was working with Jeff and doing podcasts there and, and they're still on the Bears blog. If you, if you search me on the Bears blog, you'll That's find, awesome. you'll find interviews. I think I did an interview with Eddie Jackson for the website, did an interview for, with Dick Buckus. There's plenty of good stuff up there from old podcasts, but, uh, but yeah, it's a great website and Jeff obviously yeah. has been tapped into, to house hall for quite a while and has you know built up quite a following and i'm excited to see where you're going to take this website because i think look we as, as bears fans and and jeff who had the you know the self-reflection to do it there are parts of football that jeff does not like he's not interested in the draft he's not interested in prospects right. you know in terms of free agency once the guy's on the team he's interested but in terms of getting and looking at who's available he, you know he, he likes looking at the bears he doesn't like looking at the league as much and i think he realized that if his website was going to continue to grow, he needed someone who could bring that aspect. 
And and look, I you know like Jonathan Wood, I know is he's a you know great data analysis mm-hmm. guy, and he's gonna you know remain as part of the website and uh, Andrew Dennehy as well. But I, I think what you can bring to that website is is something that hasn't been on it very much, and I do think it was needed, and and you're really gonna help grow it. That's my hope, man. I mean, the the part of my game that I guess I'm trying to work on the most is when you're brand new to writing, you can connect to people actually, I think a little better than where I am right now. Like at this point, I'm so many football books and so many hours of film deep that I have to try to remember where everybody else is. Not everybody else cares that when you motion an outside receiver into the slot and then you like catch the corner still in man, you can get Tyreek Hill wide open on the sidelines against Jalen Johnson. It's not even fair. Most people are just like Jalen got burned and they call it even. And if you try to say, well, that's not exactly right. They're like, I I don't really care, man. And so finding a balance between keeping everything completely accessible and frankly engaging while still trying, like you're saying, to push the envelope a little bit. Because, Bill, we've talked about this in the past. The main reason I even got into this in the first place was because I got sick of hearing the same or all 20 people in Bears media say the same thing. And I at least if I'm going to say it, I want to know it's right. Does that make sense? Or at least have have some homework done. Have some homework done so that I can say, I may be wrong, but if I'm wrong, it's because I saw this. You see it too, right? Right. And, and that's, that's the fun of it. We'll see if it works. And, and that's the thing for me in terms of the, this particular podcast and when I write articles and, and things like that. What I, what I try and do is I try to marry all fandom together. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is I am a believer that you don't want to be in a niche within a fan base. And I think you want to try and appeal to everybody. And what I mean by that is there are the hardcore guys, right? Like that just want film room and really want the nuts and bolts and the X's and O's and all that. But then you got people who just like to watch football on Sundays and maybe do a podcast here or there. And they're a lot more casual, but they still love football and love the Chicago Bears. I want to try and create content that's interesting to both sides. Right. That's not easy to do, no. but that's 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 always the goal. That's what I try and do. Um, you know, I'm a Brett Coleman, you know, and I, I've talked about this. I think he's great at that where he'll, he'll give you the nerdery of football and then he'll give you that quick five, 10 second explanation after he goes nerdy on you to make sure that the people who aren't quite as nerdy are still coming along with him. I think he does a great job. EJ does a great job. That's why I'm a fan of the bootleg football podcast, what they're doing over there. But you know, that's that's what I try and do and, and still have some passion and have some fun along the way. And it's a challenge, but it's a fun challenge to, you know, to have a voice and be able to talk to Bears fans every day. It is. It's great. It's an absolute honor. I love it. I mean, I what it's not long ago, I guess, that all I was doing was reading things like loving the Bears can be a full time job, whether you're making content or not. So in everything I know I do, I just want to try to right for not just the younger version of myself, but everybody out there that's out there scrounging for Bears content because I still am one of those people. <laughs> and and so it's it's just right for me. Right. Yeah, no, and- I, I hear you. You know, I, I sit there and and sometimes, you know, post OTAs and pre-training camp trying to come up with things to write about. That's why 10 Bears with the most approved training camp battles. You come up with series and things to do because as a content creator, I'm struggling to come up with content when there's absolutely nothing going on. But then I'm frustrated that nobody else is making content because I still want to consume it. It's easy. And so that's that's why I'm so excited to get into this defense piece because this is the this is exactly that time of year when people are like, hey Bill, 
don't count Travis Gibson out. And I, I'm not trying to tell anybody. Like, I I'm not trying to Travis open up. Gibson out. <laughs> like, don't, I'm not trying to open up with anything crazy, polarizing, or something outrageously negative. But there are definitely a couple of holes on this defense that still need to be repaired. But ideally, we don't give up 57 touchdowns again. So yeah. So, so, so let's jump, jump into it. Yeah, like you said, uh, you know, let's start again, like we did with offense. Let's kind of talk about Ryan Poles and his approach to the defense this off season. Uh, you know, free agency, you know, you, you kind of see it come together after the draft and kind of how he pieced this defense together. You know, Tremaine Edmonds, I think, is going to be a tremendous fit for this defense. I think that that cover two and kind of what Eberflus wants to do, kind of the old Lovey Smith defense. You know, I think seeing Edmonds, like I don't want to say he's Brian Urlacher, but seeing Edmonds kind of in that role is kind of what they see. I was just arguing with people on Twitter about Roquan Smith. Uh, because, you know, Roquan Smith, you know, there's an unnamed GM that said the Bears don't know what they're doing, get rid of Roquan Smith. And, and I sit there and go, look, I think Roquan Smith is a better linebacker than Tremaine Edmonds. That doesn't necessarily mean that Roquan Smith is a better linebacker in Matt Eberflus's defense than Tremaine Edmonds. And that was the point I was trying to make. But, you know, I don't know if I would have spent on Edmonds. I don't, you know, but at the same time, I kind of see what he's trying to do in terms of how he's building this and was shocked that he spent money on not one, but two linebackers. I certainly didn't see that happening. I kind of thought he was going to spend on a will, let Sanborn be the mic. And, you know, Sam is whatever, you know, it does, it doesn't matter nearly as much as it did, you know, 15 years ago. So, the, the free agency approach, I don't want to say was puzzling to me because I see it. I don't know if I would have taken that approach 100%. Where were you with how polls addressed the defense in free agency? So as somebody who's terminally online, what always sticks out to me about TJ Edwards and uh, Tremaine Edmonds was the timing, Bill, because Tremaine Edmonds got announced an hour after TJ Edwards, but not a day, an hour makes me think that Edwards inked the deal and Edmonds's agent hadn't gotten back to them or something and that they were in on eight or Edmonds first and foremost, but they got the opportunity to sign Edwards. They weren't going to pass on it. And then Edmonds said he was going to come along too. And they were like, bet we will figure it out. Add the player. Right? Like it, if I, I, we like to treat this like Madden where you get one big screen, you make all your offers and you're the only person in the room. That's not what it's like to talk to NFL agents. And that's not because I, I've done it, but you put two and two together and you realize that just like anybody else, you're sending the agent a text, you're giving the agent a phone call. And if they do, or don't pick up. I mean, the clock's still ticking. Right. So I, I'm like the, one of the Worst people to talk to about spending money on linebackers. I didn't want to spend Roquan or spend 20 million on Roquan Smith. I don't love spending 18 on Tremaine Edmonds, but at least he's a physical freak. Like at least he's exactly the kind of guy that you cannot buy off the street. Like not today. Anyways, you can get it. You get a shot at him in free agency. That's what he's going to cost. I think the Erlacher comparisons are lofty, but If they're going to come through, it would be around now because Edmonds played the best season of his life last year as he turned uh, he turned 24. Don't quote me on that. He might be 25. But the point is, is that when he, got, when he got to the NFL, everybody knew he was crazy raw. Buffalo developed him for, I think, five full years, and he only turned the corner in the fifth one. So the Bears might be the massive beneficiary of Sean McDermott's effort 
over time. And I, for one, am content with that. Now, the Bears defensive line, oh, let's stick with the linebackers. I don't think it's ever a bad thing to have more good players, especially when a guy like Edwards is only six and a half million dollars a year. Yeah, right? absolutely. You the I think it is the what the I was just doing this with corners. We'll get there. But like this, there's only 17 corners in the NFL that are making more than $10 million. And if you include the guys that are making $10 million flat, it's 20, right? So the amount of guys in the NFL making really big money isn't that much. And if Edwards, for one reason or another, became some kind of a role player or a bench player, he's expensive, but you're not brokenhearted like you are if you spent $18 million on a guy you can't fit into your defense, right? Like if Sanborn outplays Edwards, which I doubt will happen, then that's a good thing for Sanborn, not necessarily a bad thing for Edwards. It's Edmonds that this whole thing is really focused on. He's not the downhill run defender that I think I would like, but he's spiny in coverage. He's huge, and he uses his size really well. So I think, Bill, the biggest question comes down to how Matt Eberflus is going to deploy him because I'm convinced TJ Edwards was going to be the Mike linebacker until Tremaine Edwards signed. And now they're figuring out what they're going to do with Edwards because you do like, okay, the simple way to think about it, your will linebacker is going to be the backside guy on most plays. The reason he has to be so athletic is because he has to chase the play and Edwards like Sanborn is a UDFA for a reason. He's not silly athletic, but he's really good in space. He's extremely precise with his movement. So a lot of the zones that they're going to ask you to play as a will linebacker, he'll be good in coverage. It's the downhill run defense that I actually wonder whether Sanborn may get some reps or at least more reps than you would have expected at the Sam linebacker. Cause Jack or cause Sanborn is a jackhammer pun intended uh, when it comes to the run game. But I'm really interested to see how this linebacker room plays out. At the end of the day, you, you would have a hard time convincing me, Bill, that Matt Eberflus was ever going to use the undersized Roquan Smith well. So I can't help feeling like the Bears stole a second-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and got the linebacker that they envisioned anyways for $2 million less than the Ravens paid Roquan Smith. Congratulations on being an all-pro Roquan. You were never going to do it here. Yeah, and and that's and that was kind of the whole point I was making with the with Bears fans was exactly that. And you know, a lot of Bears fans, well, Roquan had a couple great games before they traded him. He did. He also had a couple dreadful games too. He I had a, last season he had arguably a couple of his worst games in a Chicago Bears uniform, and I think he just kind of felt like a fish out of water a little bit in that regard. But when I look at this linebacker room overall with Edmonds, with Edwards, Noah Sewell, you know, we'll see exactly what he is going to be. You know, he also seems to be kind of in that Sam role. I've even seen a couple of people said maybe they could try him over at edge and see if there's something he can do there. We'll, we'll see kind of where we'll Noah see. Sewell fits in. But I do love the idea of Sanborn being a third linebacker mm-hmm. where, yeah, he can come out there in the Sam position, do what he needs to do when they are in actually a, a base defense and not nickel defense. But at the same time, knowing that if Edmonds or Edwards gets hurt, you have Sanborn to pair with them. And you're not, you know, if, if Trey Edmonds goes down, obviously that's your big money guy. And, and again, yeah, it your defense is going <laughs> to suck. But if you sit there and say, well, TJ Edwards and Jack Sanborn are going to be your linebackers. You don't sit there and be like, oh, my God, we're fried. Like yes. you're going to feel still pretty OK, even if they are limited in certain things that they can do. So while. The linebacker room to me is, is is kind of the 
defensive version of the running back room where I don't want to see a lot of money yep. and resources invested into it. You're speaking my Regardless, language. Regardless, you still have to, you know, for if you put the resources aside that were spent here, you do have to like the linebacker room overall. Oh, yeah. Good linebackers are good. Like, the main thing is that, to me, I've always broken everything out into icing and cake, right? You can't fake the cake. If you don't have the cake, it's hard to fake. And that's the defensive line, right? That's your corners. That's these guys that no matter what you do, you can't fix Kendall Vildor versus Justin Jefferson. This is something Bill Belichick actually talks about a lot. If you want to go nerd mode, Bill, that he said the hardest part about defense is that if your wide receiver is better than my corner, I can't fix this. Like I can't win. And so that's that there's a, I'm excited to see Bulls place the premium that he has. I also know that Matt Eberflus loves his linebackers. And I mean, we don't need to go into off the record conversations with Brad Spielberger, but we've heard Bill about how head coaches have more power than I think people think that they have in a lot of these organizations. GMs make the final say, sometimes and other times Kyle Shanahan really does get more decision-making than you think he would. I mean, I don't know if it's Shanahan specifically, right? We didn't get any names, but more to say that Bill, Matt Eberflus was going to get a linebacker. And to me, Tremaine Edmonds is the reason that we drafted uh, Tyreek Stevenson and Javon Dexter instead of drafting, I don't know what linebacker they would have taken, but one of them. Right. And I would much rather draft the other guys and pay somebody like Edmonds. So to me, it's it comes to the territory of head coach. If I was to cry about this, Bill, it would be me just continuing to cry because I didn't get Brian Devil. And I am a guy, or I'm one of those guys that thinks, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> you have to embrace what the team is. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And this was always what they were going to do. And I hope they use them well because the Bears defense could sorely use it. Yeah. Now let's let's talk about the guys up front. Because that's going to be a key part to these this linebacking group being okay is can, can these guys keep bodies off the linebackers and, and all the things they need to do. But let's not just talk about it as one collective unit. Let's talk about the interior first, then we'll talk about the edge position. Because the interior position is something where polls addressed a, a decent amount here when you talk about free agency and the draft between Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens and, of course, Andrew Billings. And, and I like the Billings move. I thought that was a smart move. He's a very solid one tech. He, you know, he's not flashy, but he's certainly not going to embarrass you either. Now, my, my biggest problem is you could probably make the argument that Andrew Billings is the, at what he does, is the best defensive lineman on the Chicago Bears unit, which is a problem. Now, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully these other players, you know, supersede him. But where are you, when we just talk about the interior, where are you with, Dexter, Pickens, Jones, and Billings as as a and sure Travis Bell there as well, but those four kind of as your core interior defensive line. Well, they went from bad and cheap. Uh, and the main reason that the Bears lost 14 games and got DJ Moore, which I will thank them for that. Thank you, 2022 Chicago Bears defensive line. They went from young and cheap or bad and cheap to young and bad and cheap. So here we are. Uh, we still aren't good yet. You got to remember, Bill, for as many people as will look and they will say, what are you talking about, Robert? The 2023 Bears defensive line is an objective upgrade over the 2022 one. It is. Uh, it's a relativistic league and everybody else's first rounder on the defensive line. Minimum. Right. The Packers have three 
I think, in Devontae Wyatt, Lucas Van Ness, and Rashawn Gary. And they have a big money for agent in Preston Smith. Like, that's a normal defensive line. Uh, as gaudy as that sounds, that's what it looks like. Look, Don't look at the Eagles. Right, Bill? Right. Uh, but so with the Bears right now, look, it's it's not great. But Rome isn't built in the day. I mean, I, I can't emphasize enough. You can't fix it all. And I'm glad that they went with Darnell Wright over – I mean, I can't say for sure that Jalen Carter was going to be a problem. But let's put it this way, Bill. Eight other teams passed on him, and the Bears didn't just pass on him. They traded out. So at least if you weren't going to pick Jalen Carter, you gave him away to somebody that was, and you got something for it, which that's the choice they made. I can understand why they made it. You and I will never know enough to be right because it's literally all semantic coaching locker room stuff sure. that we just don't get access to. But so the bears still need to fix defensive line, but they ain't going to do it until next year with a first round pick. And I, I like the Dexter pick. I think the Pickens pick is interesting. Eventually, you got to take a shot on one of these boomer bust guys. I was actually, like, while I'm studying Braxton Jones, I looked up a bunch of pass rushing statistics. And I don't know if you know this, Bill. Um, more than you'd think, like, 13 of the top 25 pass rush something. It's a PFF stat that, like, amalgamates stats, hits, and uh, hurries per pass rush. So, like a formulaic opera or way to say best pass rusher 13 of the top 25 were drafted, not in the first round. And I think 11 of those 13 were round three or later. So boomer bust guys like Arden key, like um, Trey Hendrickson, like these guys can become NFL studs. If they figure it out, a guy like Pickens to me fits the profile. I mean, he's got the long arms and the quick burst that DeForest Buckner has, and he has got to figure out how to run defend as he a one-gap run defense <laughs> or, or a, a DT. But sometimes you just you figure it out and you live with it, and you say maybe we can like live and die with that at three technique and inspire the guy. Four or five, you've heard it all, right? Because Bears fans will tell you. With with Dexter, I think you get a nice eat your vegetables pick. I like the draft picks they've brought in. Let's put it this way, and they don't have enough cake yet. But they would have had to sign a Javon Hargrave to giga money at like 32 years old. They would have had to sign Draymond Jones. And it sounds like they just didn't want to because the money ended up being better at Seattle. And I don't know, maybe injury concerns. That's what Greg Gabriel was talking about. Who's to say? But uh, it's more to me, Bill, to end this ramble. I look at it and I'm like, oh, of course it's not good enough. But what are the other options? Like you can't. The Dolphins traded a first-round pick plus so that they could give Bradley Chubb mega money, and he's not on that list of 25 that right. I talked about. Like, it is hard finding a pass rusher. It is hard finding a pass rusher. And so while I'm sure the Bears are going to bring in somebody like Yannick Ngakwe that just doesn't care about the run or somebody like that to make their abysmal edge-defending group a bad edge-defending group, it's, this is not going to fi get fixed overnight. And it's going to be the biggest problem on the Bears' defense, and it's just going to be a matter of whether they can find schematic solutions to generate pressure the way that New England does, or maybe they'll just live and die based on whether their seven guys can cover for eight seconds. Yeah, and look, and here, here's basically, and I think I brought this up on a on a previous podcast. The way I look at this Bears' defensive line, like you're you're a little kid, right? You're you're you know eight years old, whatever you might be. And you go to the, the amusement park and you want to ride the, the, the big roller coaster. And you go running up in the line and they got that little sign there that says you must be this tall 
to uh, to be on the roller coaster. And the roller, you need to be like 50 inches tall to be on the roller coaster. And you're only like 44 inches tall at that time or whatever. And then you have a big growth spurt. And, you know, you go back next year and you're just like, all right, I'm going to get on the roller coaster. And you go running on the roller coaster. And now you're not six inches short of the, of the height you need to be on the roller coaster. You're two inches short or you're one yes. inch short, but you're still too short. That's the Bears defensive line. Just because it's greatly improved on yes. what it was last season, it still isn't sufficient. And, and that's that's the bottom line there. This is, without question, this is the weakest group. I do think on the interior, I think we're going to see a heavy rotation because I think Zach Pickens this season could be productive as a pass rusher. I think he could, you know, we'll see. I think he could have some ability there. But if he is on the field when they run the football, he is going to get blown into the linebackers and destroy the play from a defensive standpoint, he, you know, in, in the negative. I don't mean like blow up the play. I mean, you know, he will be the point of attack and they will attack him. Dexter, you know, I understand that, you know, slow off the ball and Florida said he was reading and reacting and all that. We'll see if that, that has an impact on him. Um, I don't think it's going to be as much of an impact as others, but I do see enough play where it's not him, you know, the, to me, his pad level issue is reading and reacting. Cause when you're trying to read, you know, you're going to try and look up over your offensive line and look around. I think that's, you know, that's more of the issue related to, his slow first step than sometimes just reacting to the ball. But we'll see. He's an athletic freak. He has all sorts of ability and talent. We'll see if Eberflus and the defensive you know, units there and the coaches can bring that together for him. I could see like a heavy rotational group mm -hmm. where, you know, maybe Demarcus Walker bumps inside on pass downs with Zach Pickens and they try oh, and yeah. get those two rushing up the middle if they have especially if they have someone like Ngakwe or someone on the outside you know maybe something like that'll work and you know on on run plays you bring in Andrew Billings and you put Billings with with Dexter or Jones you know wh whatever it might be I think you could see like a heavy rotational interior because I think and I don't think this was pay a pace I don't think this was Poles's plan to do very little on the edge I think it was just kind of how the draft and how free agency broke that there really wasn't the guy he wanted to spend on or, you know, wanted to use the draft capital where it was. That's my belief. I don't know that to be the case or not. I think that's the way it was, but I do think next year, one of those first round picks is going to be an edge. I would Easy. bet a thousand dollars on it right now. Two it, defensive linemen. They could Easy. take, they could take a three tech and an edge. They could, Easy. There's, they could easily do a double investment in the defense on defensive line with those first round picks, Absolutely. maybe a first and second round pick. It's, and in free agency. I think the defensive line is going to be the massive focus of Ryan Poles yes. next year. He just couldn't do it all this year. You know, he did poke around a little bit in free agency, didn't find the right fit. So, so here we are. So it's without question, it's going to be a problem. It will be improved. Um, and I think as much as the interior is going to struggle, I think edge is worse. Yes. Um, Demarcus Walker, I think is a fantastic third edge. Demarcus Walker as your best edge is certainly not where you want to be. I like his versatility that he can bounce inside, but, and this is also my problem right now. If they don't bring in another edge and you bounce Demarcus Walker inside, well, who, who's coming on the outside? Like there's just not right. enough there. Uh, you know, Dominique Robinson had that great game against San Francisco and did nothing the rest of the season. 
I am not a Travis Gibson fan. I am confident that this is going to, I know, you know, Matt Lombardo put out, uh, they see Travis Gibson as potentially a contract extension. No, they don't. They, they, you know, no, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's not happening. There is no way they are going to invest in edge and keep Travis Gibson around. Uh, you know, his, yeah, that eight sack season to me was more of a fluke. It didn't match the pressure. It did not match the pressure rate that he was bringing that season. The pressure rate that he brought, la- you know, these last two seasons right. fit more in line with the three and a half sacks he had last year. He's not much of it to me. Dominic Robinson, again, this is only his third year as an edge. So we'll, you know, he came over as a wide receiver tight end, you know, in college. So we'll see if he continues to develop. You know, Racine Green, okay, you know, a, a decent player there. There's just, I just don't see currently this team have any ability still to generate a pass rush. And we'll get into the secondary here in a second. And I like this secondary, yep. but they're going to have to keep sticky for four, five, six seconds. And that's asking a lot. And we got to wait, let's be blunt. We got to talk about the bad purely so that when it happens, we don't, we don't have to act mad about it. Cause that's the thing, Bill. What I hate doing is building people up only to tear them down because I'm so upset they didn't re- live up to unrealistic expectations. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Like Travis Gibson, actually, I could see a minor contract extension if only because, Bill, when he comes off the bench, he plays like Marion Barber in Dallas forever ago. Like when he's fresh and the other guy isn't, you see a lot of that energy. You see a little bit of spark plug, but you would have to be getting him for like $3 million a year. You know what I'm talking about? Like cheap role player money if that like maybe maybe four or five i don't know i'm not betting on it it's more to say that demarcus walker i'm you i'm hard pressed to say that he wasn't brought in to be a three tech edge rusher or like a three tech kick in i don't even think about his play on the edge purely because he just doesn't do it that often and when he did he certainly wasn't good at it so to me i don't know Every time, I almost want to try to be as measured as possible with every complaint, if you'd call it that, because if there are three positions you cannot fix in free agency, Bill, it's edge rusher, wide receiver one, and quarterback. And as a team that was looking for a quarterback on the free agent market just two years ago, we know that too well, and like what right. it takes to get a bad solution. Like, I don't mind that Ryan Poles has basically not spent any money pretending that he got a solution when he doesn't think he did. Right. Javon Hargrave would be sweet next year. And a year after that, I don't think Javon Hargrave would be sweet anymore. But San Francisco signed him to it was a four year deal. Right. Like that's a baseball contract in terms of how they not quite how they structured it, but just you're getting a good year and then you're paying for it with probably two bad years. Right. And so to me. Like, yeah, it would have been fun to spend the money, but I get why the Bears didn't do it. They do want to build a young nucleus that is affordable. They didn't have better options, and the better options that they have are pretty comparable to what the Bears currently are weighing, which the fact that we're saying that, and it is uh, July, is hilarious that guys like Yannick still haven't signed. I'm pretty indifferent at this point like the bears aren't going to generate a pass rush it just is what it is or at least they're not going to do it through one-on-one wins on the edge but we'll see dominic robinson has physical tools but i'll tell you bill he his biggest problem with pass rush is that the bears couldn't stop the run and he's not a good run defender 
So his biggest issue is that the Bears didn't get into these third and 10 scenarios where he could pin his ears back and pass rush, which actually he flashes a little bit on. But a confused rookie is a slow rookie, and a slow rookie does not pressure the passer. So right. that's that's the story in a very tiny little nutshell of what would happen with 91. Yeah, so look, we, we both understand. I think Bears fans understand that defensive line is going to be a, a focal point next year. And I fully expect, I haven't even looked at it, but I fully expect Poles to invest in an edge in free agency. It may not be a star edge, but someone who he's expecting to get significant snaps. Right. I expect him to draft with one of those first round picks and maybe a second round pick, an edge. Uh, you know, so I think we're going to see that investment, you know, a three tech, if he can get one, you know, look, he's also shown he's not afraid to trade. So if he can get a player that he fit, that'll fit this defense, he's going to trade for him. So I think we're going to see a significant investment in the defensive line next year. We just didn't see it this year. And that could like, that could hurt, hurt a, a very good linebacking core that we just said is, is very good. And we like, but at the same time can also hurt a secondary that, you know, let's take a little time here and talk about the secondary a little bit. Let's start with the safeties before we get over to the corners. I know you are a huge Eddie Jackson fan. You do not, you do not pretend uh, to hide that at all. You wear that on the sleeve. Brisker, I think, overall had a very good rookie year. Sure, made some mistakes, but all, all rookies are going to do that. I think we can expect Brisker to continue to grow and develop into his role. At least I do. My, my biggest concern at safety, and I understand if they're healthy, they're going to be out there for 100% of the defensive snaps. That's just how it works. I'd like to see DeAndre Houston Carson come back because I thought he played pretty well. Forget what he does on special teams. I thought he played pretty well defensively when he had to be out there. And look, maybe Elijah Hicks can do it. I haven't seen enough of him to know if the Bears are co comfortable with him as their third safety. Okay, fine. I just, I don't see any depth at the safety position that I'm comfortable with. I do, however, like the two guys I have up top. Okay, so Bill, how much Madden have you played in your day? I played plenty of Madden. I just haven't played Madden recently. That's fine. <laughs> have you ever gone in and changed somebody's position? And so you've seen that when you switch somebody from like, I don't know, defensive end to defensive tackle, like their overall dives because they're less good at that position. Right. For me, when it comes to this safety room the number one guy i want to talk about is brisker because he is pretty good as a strong safety i think it's a boundary safety field safety league which basically means that these safeties trade responsibilities sure. but it's a it's a blend it's a hybrid role of the old school free and the old school strong but the bears did actually play brisker at old school strong safety i think that limits their defense but he's good at it because his worst, the worst part of his game is his recognition and his ability in the deep third of the football field, which, you know, that's a bummer if Brisker ends up the, what, like the single high top safety ever, but he didn't so long as number four was on the field. And kind of like we're going to probably talk about with Jalen Johnson, that's not an issue so long as Eddie's there. Like, sure, I could glow about how, featuring Eddie Jackson the way that the Bears did because he just played a huge role in their off or in their defense. He was the shell of the Bears shell game. They would move him around like crazy. And Bill, my favorite part was that Eddie was quick to the running hole the entire season and cut off what probably could have been uh, like eight 
20 plus yard run gashes at 11 yards, which sounds like a, I don't know, like a minor tackle difference, but that's the difference between Khalil Herbert ripping off a 50 yard gain and him getting a first down and very little more. That's, that's how defenses bend and don't break. Well, as long as Eddie stays healthy, the defense's safety spot should look pretty doggone good. I didn't see Brisker improve in coverage like I wanted him to, but he became a better tackler at the end of 2022. So again, going back to that like old school strong position, we can work with that. He's a physical beast. Like he's way better in the box than a guy like Eddie is going to be. Okay, we can do this. But the defense kind of hinges on four because there aren't a lot of guys that are like him. And at least what I saw on tape, Bill, DeAndre Houston Carson did his best. He's not Eddie Jackson. No, and of so course when, not. When Eddie did go down, Elijah Hicks and uh, DeAndre Houston Carson got put on skates a couple times by opposing offenses because it's just the shoes are too big when you're playing like the free safety role because as soon as there's a problem at free safety you can just look and find his number and target that guy and a lot of offenses did but that's how it goes right (laughs) when you got i mean what was it the uh the old story about peyton manning like oh well we don't practice like if peyton goes down we're screwed and we don't practice screwed and so it wouldn't surprise me if the Bears try to get, I don't know, some kind of a uh, an Eddie Jackson heir apparent in the next couple of years. Probably yeah, I, I would year. agree with that. But it's I don't know if you can just find an on-market solution to play old school free the way that Eddie does. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I think when you have those two together, you know, I'll, I'll rewind to the younger years of Eddie Jackson. Yes. Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos, Mm -hmm. they complemented each other very well in terms of what they did, where you could put Adrian in the box and give Eddie that freedom to play center field out there on the defense and go where he needed to go. When Amos left and Jackson's role needed to change, we didn't see the dynamic plays from Eddie Jackson. And I think a lot of people assumed Eddie Jackson now was not any good. He's lazy. Yeah. (laughs) But it was more about how his role needed to change in the defense. And, you know, he didn't have, you know, ha-ha, Clinton Dix cannot play the Adrian Amos role. So, you know, it, they had to change how 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 he was utilized in the defense. And, and I think that's kind of similar here. I think Brisker, you know, they're not exactly the same player, but I think Brisker can play that Amos role. And again, I understand this is a Fangio defense. This is a completely different defense. But can kind of where they can complement each other well. But if one of them is injured and you need Elijah Hicks out there or whoever else ends up, you know, potentially being at safety, it's going to significantly hinder the other guy. You're going to force Brisker to do things he's not as good at, or you're going to force Eddie Jackson to do them as well and not allow him to do the things he's great at. They're important to both have on the field. Brisker proved to be pretty, pretty hardy overall, but you know, Eddie's on the wrong side of 30 this season, right? You know, we just don't know how much longer he's going to be able to play at this level. Hopefully it's not an issue this year, but like I said, I don't like who they have behind the guys, but at the same time, when you have holes, you don't sit there and worry about safety depth when you're expecting those guys to be out there basically a hundred percent of the snaps. The only piece about Brisker that bothers me, Bill, just to to state it, because I think it's a conversation we should all have, is I would challenge anybody to name me a play Brisker made in coverage that you were really impressed with. Everybody is going to say, oh, well, the one-handed pick he had in New England. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. 
Like he, it's a sweet play, but other than that, the bears didn't have him in deep coverage. The majority of the time, like they would send him to cover the running back in the flat or to cover whatever wide receiver was going into the, in the flat. Whenever they dropped into cover three with a single high safety, and they did some two high safety stuff. I don't want to take everything away from Brisker. And in those settings, he was more of a rally tackle than a trigger man, but it just makes me feel built like, Part of the reason that Bears fans got the opportunity to be so hard on Kyler Gordon was because he was featured like as a coverage man. And they're they're kind of trying to shield Brisker from a lot of the coverage duties. And that just feels like there's a little too much weight on number four in the defense, just like there's a little too much weight from a cornerbacking position in on number 33. And so you need these guys to be extra healthy <laughs> right like right. extra healthy in the best versions of themselves but hey if they do eddie jackson is all over the field for a reason eddie jackson had what four interceptions was it uh, i'd have to look that sounds about right because he's in the middle like he's he's in the threat areas he's backing up the right people it's cool watching the way that they're deploying him because they're basically just giving him a chance to be involved all the time and he gets himself involved all the time but I, I just, the depth thing, it's it's like you're talking about. I don't think Brisker could play Eddie's role. You would be asking somebody else to jump in and play next to Brisker while still letting Brisker does what he does. They have they have two different positions, which you, you might see it as a good thing. You might see it as a bad thing. I'm sure there's somebody out there that's like, that's how it should be, and more power to you. Yeah, and yet you are correct. Four interceptions for, for Jackson last year after that you know interception swoon previously when right. the, when offenses were just like, well, we're just not going to put the ball anywhere near Eddie, uh, which brings us to our next guy and the next position group, cornerback Jalen Johnson, another guy who was avoided frequently but also was given hard tasks, also has injury questions. But overall, and again, we want to talk about depth. Depth is interesting here curious what your thoughts are on Blackwell and Jones and, and some of these guys, Vildor, I guess, as well. But in terms of the starting three corners, when we say that Nickel is the new base, with Tyreek Stevenson outside right. with Jalen and Gordon being now inside at the Nickel, which is where I think a lot of us wanted to see him last season, and he kind of was moving around a lot, and I think that stunted some of his development as well. Having him in a consistently in, inside on the defense, I think, will also help so overall, the secondary, I think the starting five, not mm -hmm. talking about the depth so much. I think the starting five on this secondary is very good. I think the depth is a little questionable, but, you know, let, let's start with the starting three corners here and kind of, you know, if you want to start with Jalen, because I know you've been focused on him recently and kind of what he brings to this defense and what to expect out of him. So Jalen's funny, if only because, okay, so PFF grades don't really matter, but to use an example, uh, Jalen Johnson is a career 65 PFF grade and 60 is what they consider average, like replaceable level average. And it's funny that he has a grade like that because in my eyes, Bill, it's only because Jalen has basically never gotten a day off of being the CB1 since his second year in the league. Like he had his rookie year where a lot of people found him really impressive as the quarterback too. And since then he has not only been the corner one bill, he has had to trail and follow elite receivers. And you got to remember as soon as an offense realizes, Hey, this guy's following us. You can game him to put him in bad leverage positions because you know where he'll be. 
Like it's as soon as the defense has tells like that, you can victimize guys. And it's part of why we saw Jalen give up that big play he did against the end of the Lions game because the Lions figured out how to move him into the slot and get him to back way too far off the line of scrimmage. And as soon as he tried to make his jam, he just couldn't even reach the guy because the wide receiver didn't stem that far. Anyways, I'm getting too far into the weeds. The point <laughs> is, Bill, to me, it would be way harder to replace Jalen Johnson than it would be to get a better player than Jalen Johnson, which is why I'm pro extension. I think his value is messy, though. He doesn't have the counting stats and all the other things that would get him over Jamel Dean's recent payday. And you're not going to pay him like Trevon Diggs is gonna, gonna about to get paid because Diggs gets you nine interceptions a year. Like literally nine to eight to nine interceptions a year, whereas Jalen has one in three years. In career, right. And, and so – it's it's tough for Jalen because from a defensive perspective, he plays a really big role. He's really good. Without Jalen Johnson, this defense would really, really suffer. And when he went down, they did. They got 40 burgered by Detroit, and it wasn't even hard. But it's 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 just tough for everybody involved. Because if I was Jalen, I'm sure I would want more money. The role I'm playing on the defense is really hard. But at the same time, Bill, I don't know how an any agent that Jalen hires, I don't know how they're going to spin positively that he's three shoulder surgeries in and he's not even 25 yet. He had two separate injuries, his quad and his finger last year. Like there's an obvious injury problem here. The good news for the bears, if I had to guess, Bill, just to wrap the Jalen conversation in a bow and I'll pass it over to you. Then we'll talk about the rest of them. Um, He's looking for an agent, right? So because he's looking for an agent, I mean, let's connect the dots here, Bill. Agents are allowed to talk to teams all they want to. And as so long as they're not employed by a player, they can make all the phone calls they want and ask about, oh, I don't know, maybe Jalen Johnson's value. So I wonder whether Jalen is quietly testing them, gauging, gauging would be the better word, gauging the market already in something of a legal loophole within the NFL. And then his conversation with the Bears might actually be a bit more expedient than we think it will, because he doesn't have to he doesn't have to wait to see what's behind door number two, maybe. But I think I can't help thinking, Bill, that if Jalen did hit the open market, teams would start pointing out all the red flags and basically say, well, why'd the Bears let you go? Like the fact that he hit the open market would be another red flag, which to me means the Bears may have a chance to get a good player to discount. And yeah. And, Sucks to the player, but <laughs> and they they might be able to, and then I'll be I'll be very curious what Jalen eventually accepts because my impression from you know anyone I've ever been able to talk to about Jalen is that Jalen, while I think Darnell Mooney might be interested in doing a hometown discount right. and just getting a contract done, he likes Justin Fields, wants to stay here. I don't think that's the case with Jalen. I think Jalen wants to try and maximize his value and get the most dollars sure. possible, which is absolutely his right. I'm not it's knocking totally him fair. for doing that. It's absolutely fine, especially if you're sitting there as a guy who knows you get banged up a little bit. You may only get one chance at a big contract. So if he wants to try and maximize this one as much as possible, go for it, Jalen. I, I, I full, full support here, and I hope he is able. I hope he does to stay in Chicago. And I think, you know, you brought up Jamel Dean, and I think Jamel Dean is going to cause a massive headache Huge problem. for Jalen Johnson. Because, you know, when we look at the at the cornerbacks, and you talked about how there aren't that many that get paid in that, you know, eight-figure salary, but what you do has is you have this collection of five, six, seven guys that are making like 18 million plus. 
Yep. Then there's like one guy at 16. Then That's everything it. drops down to like 13 million AAV yep. and, and, and below. So you kind of have this, you either get paid like an elite corner or you get paid like a very good corner. Or you don't get paid at all. Yeah, or you don't get paid at all. And Jamel Dean wanted to stay in Tampa and just wanted to get a contract done. So he took a very modest contract for someone of his ability. I think most people would say that Dean is a Absolutely. top 10 to 12 corner in the league, maybe top 15. I don't know where you put him. Because that's where he's paid. Like, yeah. he's paid, at, I think, 13th, maybe 12th. And I think, personally, that the, the interesting piece about Jalen Johnson is I would love to hear his agent. Like, I'm the film nerd. Right. And I would love to see his agent with a straight face make an argument that he's worth being paid more in the top 10 corner. Like he deserves top 10 to 12 corner money. The Bears should offer him top 10 to 12 corner money, but not top eight, not top five. Right, right. Bill? Like, but, but like, like, you know, contracts, you know, who, who, who is getting, yeah, they age. And who's getting paid that money now isn't getting paid that same amount when that contract expires in three or four years. So if you pay Jamel Dean as the fifth highest paid corner, yep. four years from now when that contract expires, he's probably 15th or 20th on the list. Sure. We'll see how that, obviously how that market plays out. But that's the interesting thing with Jalen Johnson is Jalen is going to want, I believe, a contract north of Jamel Dean money, but there is not an agent in America that is going to be able no. to say that Jalen Johnson is better than Jamel Dean. You so know. That, that contract, I think... I think Dean could have gotten 464 pretty easily if he, if, if he hit the open market, maybe even more than that. And I think that is just what is going to really be an impediment to Jalen Johnson, which is why I don't think a contract extension gets done before the season. I'm not ruling out one, you know, next January, February, when the league year hasn't wrapped up yet and he's not an officially a free agent. I think that's possible they get something done there. But I think Jalen is probably going to want this season to prove himself, to prove him to the Bears that he's right. worth that level of money. And the Bears are probably going to be in the same boat and go, okay, go out and prove that you're worth that level of money. I think he's totally. in a very difficult situation because of the, the, the position he plays, because of the contract that was just taken by Dean and some of the things you pointed out. Like, pro football focus isn't the end-all, be-all, but I just no. bring it up because – they do position rankings and they did the top 32 corners. They put it out maybe about two months ago. Jalen Johnson wasn't on the list. Yep. And, and I don't sit there. And if you sit there and say, well, Jalen Johnson's a top 32 corner, that's ridiculous. That's fine. If that's your opinion, I'm not sure. even going to argue with you and say he's not. Cause I think he very well could be, I think he is. but the point but... is, is that a Lee, a, 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 an organization that studies the league looked at Jalen Johnson and said he's not a top 32 corner, which means there's people around the NFL that don't think Jalen Johnson yes. is a top 32 corner. So yes. Jalen Johnson, to create that market where he's going to get paid, doesn't have to prove just to Ryan Poles that he's worth that money. He has to prove it to the entire NFL yep. that he's worth that money so, Pol so he has the leverage to go back to Ryan Poles to get paid. Exactly. I mean, the, to me, the other thing worth remembering, Bill, I think this is super interesting, but PFF only grades corners on plays where they get targeted. I think Jalen does most of his work in forcing the ball to go somewhere else, right? Uh, and so it's mostly on these throws that don't happen or that he barely gets back into the play on because he's battling with Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, some of the best players in the league. The fact that he's creating any incompletion at all, I'm excited because at corner one is hard.
But the point is, Bill, I do think Jalen's agent does it. I think the open market would probably pay him like a corner two. You and I were talking about this offline, but I, I don't know if people would be near as high on Jalen as we are. We need him because we don't have another one, right? <laughs> like, I would argue the Bears could kind of do Jalen a favor and pay him at Jamal Dean's level because I don't think he deserves it. Like, by the numbers, right? For me, film junkie, love Jalen Johnson, said in my video breakdown, I would take anything other than 17 and a half and smile because we need a corner that badly. I like Tariq Stevenson. I don't want to bet on him. Kyler Gordon's not going to be playing outside corner anytime soon. The Bears aren't going to trade for a corner. You need this guy. Or it's going to be tough to compete in 2024. You know what I mean, Bill? Right. And, but, and what? Yeah. Go ahead. It just, but Jalen still can't take me for a ride. I mean, come on, man. Look at the stats. Like, you don't have 40 solo tackles ever in a single season. Like, you're not playing the run like some of these other corners are. And I love what you do in coverage. But uh, to even put you in what DJ Reed and Jamel Dean's, like, Carlton Davis's, like, grouping is is saying a lot about you. Like, I'm having to puff my chest out to say that because nobody else thinks that. And so <laughs> take that deal. And, and I wouldn't be surprised, Bill, the more we talk about it. Jalen's 24. I think the Magic may be a two-year deal. Like, short. You know what I'm saying? Something where if you did a two-year deal, one and a half million dollars or one and a half years guaranteed, Jalen gets to re-hit the market at 26 years old, and the Bears get their two most critical years to have that corner where if the if the wheels start to fall off, you draft somebody else, right? You know what? And I hadn't thought about the short-term deal. I think that actually makes a lot of sense because if I'm looking at this from Jalen's perspective, and he sits there and says, "All right, you give me that, give me that two-year extension. I'll, I'll, I'll sign for ten million or whatever a year, which I think the Bears would do. I, I don't think they sure. hesitate on that." And then Jalen sits there and says, "All right, now I've got a little more secondary around me this year, so I'm not going to be able to just be the only guy out there on the island." Exactly. And let's assume that in 2024, pass rush now they have a pass rush. Right? Poles goes out and invests in the pass rush. Now I can really shine on a defense that's complete. And I can really show everyone what I have where then when I become a free agent, then in like 2025, that I can have a market, assuming he can stay healthy over these next few oh, yeah. years, then he can really create a market for himself. And maybe that's the smart play is getting an extension done in the short term and say, all right, Jalen, look, you're, you're not getting you're not getting that, you know, Marshawn Lattimore money right now. But we're going to give you this right. money because we want you to stick around, and then let's see if you earn it. And mm -hmm. if you if you earn it, we'll try and keep you around. And if you want to hit the big payday on free agency, we understand. And look, I think that is a smart move from both sides. And look, I'm not a football player, and I'm not Jalen Johnson, so I'm about to make a couple of speculative moments. But like, I get Bill that accepting a contract isn't quite as much about the money as much as it's about what the money says. But if I was Jalen's family. Are you kidding me? You've made probably a total. I, I'm not literally looking at the contract. As a second round player, you're probably looking at about five, maybe six five or six. dollars. Yeah. And you're about to get five times that over the next two years on this short deal. That is family life changing money. Like it's a big deal to these football players. You know what I'm saying? And we're still talking about a guy who had three shoulder, shoulder surgeries. If you get a fourth, you won't see that money. Like right. what I keep thinking to myself, Bill, is if I was Jalen's agent, are we sure we want to play another season? 
after you got nicked up again. Like we we could ink something today before we play another down, or you could tear your rotator cuff in week one, and we'd never see a dollar. Like I get it, but I partially think that getting some money, like that short term deal where Jalen can keep his dream alive of breaking the Bears off in a couple years, but also he's got money in his bank that's guaranteed and it, like he's taken care of, right? That makes sense for everybody involved, I think, because anything longer than probably two years is frankly too risky for polls, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I don't want this to go on too long. So I, I do want to just quick, quick address here on, on the rest of the secondary here. Cause we haven't really talked about Tyree Stevenson or, or Gordon that good, much. but I a rookie. Uh, <laughs> Kyler Gordon, insane athlete. People aren't giving him enough credit for how well he changes direction. Oh my gosh, he's dynamo when he's coming downhill. Those things that he might be able to do, especially as his own defender, are really brilliant. He just got asked to do the most last year. Like Kyler, or let's say Jalen Johnson had to square up the seat or the wide receiver one on the other side. Kyler Gordon had to cover all of the space in the middle for some reason. And he got next to no help in doing it, which is right. wild. So I'm not surprised he took his lumps, but he got better. Like, Bill, I, I don't think Kyler Gordon is about to be an all-pro. I would love it if he was. I don't think we're there yet. But I would tell you that I don't think anybody on the defense improved as much as Kyler Gordon did because Jack Sanborn came out swinging. Kyler Gordon started as one of the worst corners in the league. But – Every loss, what was it, the Edison story about, like, I didn't invent the light bulb, I failed a thousand times. Kyler Gordon got 900 failures out last year. Like, I can't wait to see if he puts it together this season, because if he does, he will be an incredibly confusing defensive back for quarterbacks to navigate. Yeah, no, I think Kyler Gordon, there's plenty of potential there. Um, and here's what I just want to, you know, Tyree Stevenson is a rookie. And I understand that, but it looks like the Bears are just ready to just plop him down in, in the starting lineup, which I like. Let's not play the, oh, Kendall Vildor has to lose Yeah, the job what's the, the other option play. was what I was just muttering to myself. <laughs> like, here's, oh, what, here, here's what I'll say about Tyreek Stevenson. Mm -hmm. I have a hunch if he's pretty good, he doesn't have to be an all-pro level. If he's pretty good, he is going to become one of the favorites of Bears fans because he is a guy who will get in the receiver's face at the line of scrimmage. He's going to, you know, he's going to beat him up a little bit. He's going to come blitzing off the edge. He's going to make some plays. He's going to play aggressively. He's going to make some hits. And people are, people, the Chicago Bears fan Nuts. is going to love it. So I'm, I'm excited for that aspect of Tyreek Stevenson. Like I said, the depth here in the, in the secondary and a corner, I still don't love. You know, Kendall Vildor, I'm glad we don't look like, you know, he's going to be starting. God forbid if we have an injury, he's back out there. Because yes, I, I know he he flashed for a few games last year and looked pretty good, but, you know, he was still bad again at the end of the year. He had injury problems. I just He's just not a guy who, who has it. And, and then the one guy we just haven't mentioned, Terrell Smith, Terrell Smith, who I think is a really good value pick there. And we'll we'll see if he has anything to contribute as a rookie. That's That's still a tall order. DB is just tough, Bill. Like, I would love to pretend to you that I have some DB science, right? But, like, the reason that you end up with guys like Jeff Okuda, who can't hack it despite being number four overall, and then you get, what was it, Tariq Woolen out of the fifth round for Seattle that was outstanding sure. is because scheme fit is everything. Most corners in the league right now aren't supposed to be big, long, and modestly slow. 
But thankfully for the Bears, that is kind of what we ask them to do. We ask a little more of our linebackers than most defenses do, and we do it, we do it in a really old-school way that's been done a billion times, for better or for worse. Um, but the Terrell Smith fits as a backup corner, I think, a lot more than a guy like Kendall Vildor does, who's just too small for the position. And so I, I'm not about to say that I think Terrell's going to be like a stud, but the best thing Terrell Smith has going for him is that nobody expects anything out of him. Right. So if and when one of our two corners who have shoulder problems, because yes, Stevenson also has already had a shoulder surgery. Like when one of them gets hurt and Smith comes in and looks okay, people are going to treat him like Corey Graham. Remember him from back oh, in the yeah. day? Sure. Like, whoa, he's fine. This guy's <laughs> fine. How sweet is that? Like, I think I think he's a great depth corner to have. And, I mean, if anything, you asked me about Noah Blackwell, Jalen Jones, et cetera. They drafted two DBs after drafting two DBs. Like, they're telling you without telling you that they don't think much of a UDFA and the old regime's fourth-round pick in Kendall Vildor. And so we're rotating the DB room. We're getting bigger. We're getting longer. And so I'm, I'm excited to see – what they do with it. We, we're getting a little closer to seeing what Matty Bufus like actually wants to do on defense. Right. And that's neat. That was, that was the thing. Last year, he did not have the bodies to play the type of defense he wanted to play. They just weren't there. He did, you know, in every aspect pretty much, but you know, we're, the, the positions, the players he's brought in, Absolutely, like you said, I think it's going to be a lot closer to the actual Eberflus defense that he was that he had in Indianapolis. Now, to wrap up here, overall thoughts on the defense. I know you teased it a little bit in, in part one of this episode, but for for this defense overall, kind of expectations here. Again, my thought is it's kind of funny to say this. I have more expectations for the offense than I do for the defense, and it comes down to the defensive line. I yes. like the linebacker room. I like the starting secondary, but the defensive line, I still think they're not going to be able to stop the run too well. I still don't think they're going to be able to generate a pass rush. And because of that, I think those other position groups don't perform as well because as we know, defense is always the whole is better than the sum of the parts. Right. And that the lack of front four is going to negatively impact the back seven. I, I agree with you. I mean, to me, this defensive staff doesn't seem like they're as good at blitzing as some of the other staffs that I've watched, especially like more man-heavy defensive uh, teams like Todd Bowles is really, really good at scheming up blitzes and making it look, making the defense look like it's not blitzing, and then they do blitz. The Bears are a little obvious with it, and I think it takes away from the blitz efficiency. Why does this matter, Bill? Because if you can't rush with four, you're going to bring a fifth. Right. And so if the if the Bears don't get a decent rushing threat, even just enough to carry water or uh, Gravon Dexter or Zach Pickens just pop off, maybe Demarcus Walker blows us away. Right. Then they're going to have to start bringing a fifth guy. And if they do, I think they're going to get hurt. I mean, I I hope that the money that they've spent and that the players that they have and the weak links that they've shored up in coverage make it to where the Bears go from dead last to 24th in defense. Better than that would be really fun because the four guys that matter the most on the defense are their worst room. I mean, that's just how it is, right? I would love to say when people talk, Bill, about how like, oh, DB matters more than ever. It does. It's implied that you have a rush. Like it's that's why the Eagles draft a pass rusher every year same with the chiefs they just drafted george karloftis and then this year they drafted um what was it uh the kansas state kid he's got a very long name um felix uh, and oh, or yeah. something um 
But the point is, is that like these good teams know if you're not rushing the passer, you're dead in the water. The Bears, they're not rushing the passer. So <laughs> I, I'll be as positive as I can be about a team with a bad defensive line. And I think they'll figure it out. They were the worst in the league by six touchdowns. Like second place, Arizona was 51 touchdowns. They gave them 57 touchdowns. Not good, Bill, but uh, I, it can't be worse than last year. It really can't be. There's too many good players in the back seven. I'm sure a move's coming. But today, July 11th, Tuesday, tamper expectations or temper expectations for the Bears defense because it really does all start up front and they're better than a tanking defensive line. But how good is that? Good question. Right. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. And that's kind of where I am, where if the offense can be league average ish and that defense, like you said, could be in that 21, 22 range. Well, you know, you average the two together, and I'm sure special teams and the balls bounce and everything can can impact things. But, you know, that puts you around maybe the 18th, 19th best team in the league, which is a lot better than 32nd and probably works out to about an 8-9 and nine record, which is kind of where I expect them to be. I mean, the funny part is, Bill, I know this isn't a win-loss prediction podcast, but the the franchise most likely to win the division is a franchise that I have watched cataclysmically botch every advantage they have ever had my literal entire life. And so maybe the lions do win the division, but to your point, if you were the, let's say 18th best overall football team and the lions choke away five games that they absolutely should have had, you could be talking about being a weak division winner just because things don't go well for the Packers, the Vikings, sure. and suddenly it's you and the lions squaring off. But I, that's where I think like this, this season could be a lot of fun because the division is very, very, very well set for parody. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and the NFC is as well. And, and we can kind of wrap up with that when we kind of look at this team overall is look when you, when you look at this, this group, you look at the NFC South and go, all right, the saints could probably win that division. Maybe Atlanta's okay, but that's a bad division. You look at the NFC West, San Francisco, despite whatever, Brock Purdy, whatever's going to happen at quarterback. San Francisco is an excellent team. The Rams, I think the Rams are tanking. I think they want to try and get a new quarterback out there. The Cardinals are a hot mess. And then Seattle is a pretty good football team if Geno Smith proves this was not a fluke. Right. Then you look at the NFC East. Obviously, the Eagles are the the, the best in the, in the conference. The Cowboys are going to be good. I don't know if they're going to be great, but they most likely will not stink. Uh, Washington has some issues and the Giants, I think the Giants ceiling was last year. I don't think they can really improve on that with Daniel Jones. So when you sit there and go, all right, well, you've got the doubt, you've got Dallas and you've got Detroit and you've got um, Philadelphia and let's just say it, New Orleans and Seattle and San Francisco. Well, that's six teams I've named seven teams make the playoffs. Yep. So the bears have an opportunity here because the NFC, if the bears were in the AFC, they'd be throttled. Oh, we can kill. Not. The, we bears are in the, the Bears are in the NFC, which means they have a shot to be the seventh best team if things go well. And they have a shot to be the best team in the NFC North if things don't go well for Detroit. And there gives you hope where you know the Bears are not ready for that 13 and four, you know, massive breakout season. I don't think they're going to be the Bengals from a couple years ago because of the defensive line, because of some of the holes but they absolutely should be competitive. They should win some football games. And because of the NFC being what it is, 
it should make for fun football in December, which is something yes. we haven't had a lot of opportunity to have the last five or six years. I got into a huge blow up with Dan Weir that apparently he's still chapped about, which surprises me uh, over this last December, I think, Bill, because Dan Weirder said uh, something along to the effect of like uh, the Bears need to be playing meaningful December football next year. And I just don't know if they will. And I was like, Dan, you could be five and ten and they'll stick you in the in the hunt graphic. Like, I mean, it, sad days right now, Bill. Like, the seventh seed has opened up some bad teams <laughs> getting into the playoffs. And, hey, Like I love the it. Bears when they lost to the Saints. Like the Bears. That was a horrible Bears team in 2020. But Matt Nagy ends up, what was that? A, uh, he, he went to the playoffs two out of four, like, yep, times over in Chicago. But, anyways, it's Goofy stories aside, it's more to say that I, I'm with you, Bill. Like this, I don't. The hardest part about projecting the schedule is that past roughly week six, we have no idea who the Bears are going to be playing. We know the teams, but is Jimmy Garoppolo going to get there? Is Jared Goff still going to be healthy? Is Geno Smith going to be magic in a bottle, or is he going to be back in the bottle? Right? Like it, there's so many pieces to this, Bill, and all the Bears have to do is go like 500, and I think people are going to lose their minds and so i am glad that expectations are relatively level set god forbid the bears win a couple games they shouldn't and bears fans will be awesome like i'm not going to use the words that other national media will because bears fans are going to set people's mentions on fire and honestly it'll be fun to watch but the the guy i almost feel worse for bill um oh my gosh if there is one thing i have to mention Week one, have you seen a bigger powder keg like in the last decade? I'm, oh, for, I'm even going to include uh, on both for both fan bases. Yes, I, I'm including 2019 because that was a powder keg for Bears fans. Right. This is a powder keg for both. Like one way or another, people are going to freak out <laughs> like after week one. And I mean, I can't help but think, Bill, because I've seen the NFL narrative too many times. It is rough that there is a video of Jordan Love. Uh, declaring the bears fans are his father uh that's just like maybe it'll work out <laughs> you know what i mean but like i feel like you just handed bears fans a stick and, of dynamite and here's the thing with that jordan love and look i i've got plenty of questions about jordan love and who he's going to be as an nfl quarterback but the way i understand that story he was just trying to be nice yeah he was. Like, like he was just recording something for a bears fan he wasn't trying to be funny like he was just like just i think they expected justin fields to be there and justin fields wasn't there so he recorded something for a bears fan i don't remember exactly what the whole story is but he's just trying to be nice and now it just that video exists yep and it's just it, it really could backfire um it, it, but yeah but like i said on both sides here Packers fans, their expectations for Jordan Love are insanely high, and they're based on nothing. This will be Bears fans, like and, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and Bears fans. Let's be honest; our expectations for Justin Fields are extremely high, which is—I don't want to say it's controversial, but it is definitely a difference of opinion around the league. There are plenty of reputable NFL analysts who sit there and agree that Justin Fields is on the cusp of something great, and there's plenty of NFL analysts that sit there and go, "Eh." Like now, I don't, I don't see the eh because I think there's too much there. But uh, this, that week one game, like I'll, I'll be honest, from as a fandom perspective, I hate it. Yes, I, I just 
If the Bears lose that game 24 to 20 and Jordan Love throws uh, for 210 yards and two touchdowns, not even that exciting, just a decent game and the Bears lose, like it's going to be depressing. Like it's just going to, like you're going to sulk in your chair. It doesn't matter any positives you can bring out of that loss, you're going to be devastated as a Bears. I'm probably going to spend most of four quarters, unless the Bears annihilate the Packers, I'm probably going to be on the cusp of throwing up for most of that game. Like, I, I would love to pretend, Bill, that I'm mature enough at 28 years old to not take this so seriously. <laughs> but, I mean, it, the weird one, Bill, is that this feels like somehow this game has become a culmination of my entire fan base career, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Like, all these – I've never seen people in Chicago act the way about Justin Fields that they are, where they're saying, if Fields doesn't work out, I just don't know if I could be a Bears fan anymore. Like, <laughs> it, it, the weird semantic things – that Fields has done to win people over. Like, I like to think of myself as metered. I'm not that hardcore, but he really has won a massive core of fans that are ride or die with Justin Fields, which Mitch didn't do until later. Then again, he had the truthers. Anyways, I don't want to polarize podcast too hard. Sorry, everybody. Uh, (laughs) But it's it's more to say, Bill, that like that – if there's one thing that Fields has going for him, I think, in the week one game, it's we have done such a good job in the NFL of making everything about the quarterback that we forget how often the better team wins. And so the Bears fans last year, why did they think we were going to go 11 and 6? Oh, because the Bears have the quarterback advantage in 12 out of 17 games. The whole team was terrible. We lost 14 games for a reason, Bill. And it wasn't because Justin Fields didn't put the ball in play. It was because Equinemius St. Brown, Amir Smith-Marset, Darnell Mooney, etc. didn't catch the ball in key moments. Right. DJ Moore is better than that. The offensive line is better than that. But, Bill, there is not – a Packer, I'm going to do a whole video on this. Please watch it. Please. It's going to be great. Uh, but there's not a Packers receiver that has two years NFL experience. Not one, Bill. Not one. Like, their their most veteran player is Romeo Dobbs in terms of games. The uh, <laughs> Samaja Toure is their wide receiver for. He was a seventh-round pick last year. He is also a second-year player. They literally don't have not, like, a third-year receiver in their room. And if you're telling me that those guys, because remember, Bill, the other receivers on the Packers forever, uh, they've been there since Matt LaFleur was hired. Like the Lazard, Cobb, Devontae Adams, all the guys we've watched terrorize us, like those were the dudes that were in that offense. Tanyan right. too. Uh, Tanyan knows that system really well. These guys share. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Getsy knows that system really well. The rookies don't know it as well as Tanya knows it. And he's on the Bears. If you're telling me that this that the scale doesn't feel a little tipped, especially when you remember there's no way Rashad Gary comes back like fresh. I don't want to make this a preview podcast, Bill. The Bears have the advantage that they squander it. I'm I'm gonna be mad. I'm gonna be really mad because they probably should win. You know yeah. what I'm saying? No, like, absolutely. It's going to get teed up like an even game. This should be a pretty heavy favorite Bears game. They're catching the Bears at the wrong time, just in terms of where they are in their right. own development. And, and that's the thing about these Packers games the last decade plus is the Aaron Rodgers factor, where even if the Bears had some positives and lost, 
look, you're frustrated as a Bears fan, but I think you kind of went, that's Aaron Rodgers. Like, you just kind of dealt with it. And that's the thing. Like, I look back at the week one 2018 Bears-Packers game as a total positive. And I understand they lost. And I I remember seeing Nick Kwiatkowski chasing, I don't even remember what it was, a Cobb. I don't remember what it was. Running, like, and being frustrated about all that stuff. Kyle Fuller getting burnt in the end zone. I remember all the negatives about that game. But. What I remember about that game is Khalil Mack's first half Mm -hmm. and just terrorizing the Packers and going, this is something new. And I was excited about it. And even though I was frustrated, they lost. I pulled the positive out of it because Aaron Rodgers just did his fourth quarter Aaron Rodgers things. He's not there. And I don't have high expectations for Jordan Love. So if it happens again, I really don't know how to handle it. They just got to stop the run, man. Like if the Bears can stop the run and they can't force stop the run, they, they might. They might. They're going to be better at it. They don't have Mike Pinnell starting. Like they, what is it? Devon, but the Marcus Packers Cole. do still have a decent offensive line, and they do a have very Aaron good Jones offensive line. Dillon. So I mean, I, I don't know what Bakhtiari is anymore, but you know, it's you know, Bill. Every running attack holds eventually. The Bears found that out the hard way last year. Right. Like grinding, grinding down the field, 15 carries at a time, not easy. So I'm not saying again, I'm not saying the Bears have the advantage. It's more that if the Bears, this is the real key, man. You you want to talk about a team being led by the offense. If the Bears go out and they put up 17 points again, like they did week 14, the Packers offense might not be built to come back from that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. If the Packers walk the dog on offense that game, then yeah, it's going to be hard. Honestly, it's going to be tough sledding because the Bears also are built to lead from the front. But if somehow the Bears win the toss and they receive and Justin Fields puts the ball in the end zone and the defense gets a stop and the Bears get the ball back and they somehow score a second time. I know a lot of ifs, a lot of dreaming. I'm stoking a lot of Bears fans positivity. I'm one of you guys. I'm right there with you. But Bill, if, the, if Jordan Love gets the ball for a second time in the game, down 14 nothing, I really don't know what the positive to pull out of that is for the Packers. But, I mean, we'll just have to get there before we yeah. talk too so, much longer about but it. But, yeah, it's going to be a nerve-wracking game, but it will be fun. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be something. So we have, we have plenty of time to get ready for that. We're still, we're still two months away. So, all right, there he is, the editor-in-chief of the Bears blog. He is Robert Schmitz, the longtime Windy City Gridiron contributor. Robert, thanks for so much time. I hope everyone there enjoyed these these lengthy, lengthy podcasts. But Robert, I enjoyed it, and we'll talk to you again soon. Anytime. Thanks, Bill. All right, we'll wrap up this podcast on the other side. This is Bill Zimmerman, Bears Banter. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. There he is, Robert Schmitz. What a conversation. If you were able to sit down and listen to both those, one, I thank you for your ears. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found it informative. And that was a great conversation with Robert. We tried to hit on everything we possibly could, positive, negatives, things that still need more work. So hopefully 
gave you a good taste here of what to expect here coming up through training camp, what to watch, what to look for as we get ready for this 2023 season. And it is an interesting one for the Chicago Bears because there is a wide variety of outcomes that this season could be. I mean, really, if this Bears team went 6-11, and 11, it would not shock you. You know, I mean, 3-14, and 14, that's a three-win improvement. That's not bad. But if this team won nine or ten games, that is not out of the realm of possibility. I think they're probably going to finish right around eight wins. I think that would be a significant jump forward. And with two first-round picks and money to spend yet again, I think that puts Ryan Poles in a prime, prime position to have this team ready to compete for a Super Bowl in the 2024 season if all these players really do come together. And I think they have an excellent chance at that. So I am looking forward to this training camp. I am so looking forward to actual football being played once again because when training camp starts, it is like a snowball rolling downhill getting ready for the NFL regular season. As every day and every week passes, you can just, all with NFL fans, you can just feel that excitement building and building and building. So really excited for this. Thanks so much for joining us. We will be back doing podcasts in August, talking preseason, talking about how things have developed here. And of course, we will do our season preview right before week one as we do every year with Aaron Lemming. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But we will be coming at you before then as well with more Bears conversation. So we'll talk to you soon. Bear it out, everybody. Enjoy training camp. Adios. Adios.